0: Hey, everyone, Jess here. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a quick content warning that we do touch on some themes related to sexual assault in this episode.
1: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode.
0: Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo. And this week, I am very excited to bring you my interview with Rebecca Woodman. And she actually works at my church. And we met through a women's ministry she started called True, uh, which we she will tell you all about. But the second I heard about it, I knew I had to have her on the show because their vision and mission is so closely aligned with the heart behind this podcast of just discovering who we are in the Lord. Um, and discovering more about Him and His character. So Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, this is fun. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so to kick us off, I was wondering if you could share with our listeners a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you came to know the Lord.
2: Yes, hey guys. Um, yeah, so I have um, been married to my Canadian crazy husband um, for 17 years. I was raised in, um, a really sweet Christian home. We laugh about it though, because it, it was in this really, really small community in North central Florida actually called the village. And it sounds so strange. Like now that I'm an adult and I look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was raised in a village. That's weird. But it was, that was actually just the name of it. It wasn't as strange as it sounds. Um, but I grew up in a Christian home and, um, you know, walk through life just, like many people kind of having to have have moments where I found Jesus for myself and not just what my parents had always told me that I was to believe. Now I'm praying that for my children. Um, And anyway, so my husband and I met in college. And then um, we have three daughters that we call the Blondtourage. They are 15, 13, and 11. And then um, we actually lost two sons who— Um, just, we say, made it to heaven before us, um, Owen and Levi in 2012 and 2013. And then we have um, another little guy who's five who came to us through the gift of adoption. So, and yeah, so that's like the gist of me. I work here, as she said, I work, Um, at Forest Hill Church, I've been here for 21 years, which is crazy to me to think about. Um, and for most of those years, I served as the director of the counseling ministry here, pastoral care and counseling. Um, but I was one of those people that through COVID, like kind of took some changes and like took a deep breath and chilled out. And, um, so I am now, because I have four kids and they're, they range from five to 15, you know, I do a lot of carpooling, stuff like that. So now I am I'm doing more like pastoral leadership and like mentoring the next generation of women coming up in ministry, which is wild for me to think that I'm like one of the older ones now. <laughs> yeah, And It's funny I, how that I do, happens. I know, like overnight, I'm like, oh, I thought like yesterday I was like, cool, but today I'm not. And, um, but anyways, and so I do, and then I do true Bible study. I love that. And, um, I take a bubble bath every single night because that's my Jesus time. And I've recently gotten into tennis and that's it. That's all I got hey. for you. Look at that. I love it. So you mentioned true and I mentioned it in my
0: intro. Yeah. Um, and I know that kind of was kind of birthed from the pandemic, but can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and, um, just, yeah, what it is?
2: Yeah, it was, it's a pretty wild, amazing God story. So we had had black mold in our basement. And so we had been under like full renovation. Like we gutted it for over a year. I mean, to the point where like it was sealed off, couldn't go down there anyways. So about the time that we finally got it done, I just, it was like at that point in the peak of quarantine where like you didn't really see humans, people weren't going to church. Like it was just like, it was really sad, you know? And so it like coincided with the, our basement getting remodeled. So I didn't even like say anything to my husband because in my mind, it was like a really small thing. So I just posted something on social media and was like, Hey guys, I'm over it. Like I am tired of not seeing faces because of masks and I'm tired of not being in church. And I personally feel disconnected from God and humans and, I just need something else. So I'm going to do a, this. I'm going to start a small Bible study in my basement. I'll keep the windows open. Like you can wear your mask. We can even sit outside if you want, but I just have to do this. And in my head, I'm thinking like, there's going to be, you know, six or eight of my friends again. Like I didn't even mention to my husband. Cause it was like, not, you know, just, I just had to do something for my own survival basically. And God just like, poured gasoline on that fire in the most like amazing only God can do ways. And basically the long and the short of it is that in about 48 hours, there were like over 200 women who had responded. And then they invited their friends who invited their friends who invited their friends. So, and when we first started it, we did virtual too. And so um, I think that the reach was something like 800 women, the first time wow. including the virtual audience it was wild um, and we were we would look and there would be you know women in all these various countries that were you know that would like consider themselves part of the true community and that was that was just amazing and like my favorite part was that there was each time that we've done it there's been between 25 to 30 percent of women who consider themselves to be unbelievers or unchurched. That are saying, like, I know that I need something. I want something. If it's just community, give me community. And, you know, what I love is like they get to hear the real stories of women who God has like transformed their lives. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so now, so, and yeah, so 25 to 30% roughly unchurched. And then, our first round when we had all those women virtually too, it was like 46 different churches represented too. Wow. Um, so it's cool. So then what we did was we took that and tried to scale it down and we call it true on tour. And so we go to different parts of the Charlotte area and do a smaller version with no virtual because really we're trying to push women to be in community now and not just, you know, sit behind, you know, um, so we do, yeah, we do smaller and um, we finished, I think we've done four areas of Charlotte so far. So it's just been like, it is so fun. It's like, so we, we laugh and say that it's organic and homegrown because it literally is. Like it was going to be in my basement and we had no idea. We still have no idea what we're doing. We have no idea, but God is just like, hey, I want women to come together. And the whole idea, which is, I think, similar to your podcast, right? Like the whole idea is you know discovering what is most true about God and what is most true about you and really yeah. letting those be like the two most important most valuable questions that we could ever ask so mm.
0: so of course i have to ask you then through this process yeah. of just diving into this and giving god your yes how has he revealed himself to you like what new things have you learned about him about him in this process
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I just have been blown away by the way, by how God can do something that people cannot Mm. and how, you know, it's like with this, you know, just, and and it reminds me of like in scripture, when it talks about faith, the size of a mustard seed, that's what it was. It was like, I don't even know if it was a mustard seed. But and God's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that is absolutely gonna blow your mind. And my favorite, I talk about this all the time, my very favorite book in the Bible, which I think is so overlooked. Everybody underestimates and undervalues this. But it's the book of Habakkuk. Mm. And in the book of Habakkuk, this this is like what I've come to know about God. So I probably most identify with Habakkuk. But if you know the book, it's like about this big, you're gonna, if you blink, you miss it. But um, what he's doing is he's starting out the book and he's looking around and he's like, everything's in devastation. Like nothing's working for us. And um, like, you know, we're being, you know, kind of we're being closed in on. And so, you know, if you equate that to 2020, it's like, hey, the world has shut down. Nothing's working for us. Right. Similar to what Habakkuk was kind of crying out to God. And what I love is God responds to him and says, look at the nations and watch and be amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe if you were told. Hmm. And I love that. Like God's like this promise of like, I'm going to do something that you would not even believe. And so I feel like that's kind of been the story of this ministry. And I've seen God do that at different points in my life, for sure. This is just the most recent reiteration of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. and then if you keep reading to the end of the book, you know, we always want things to, like, be wrapped up and, like, have a pretty bow on them and, you know, whatever. And what I love about the book of Habakkuk is, like, it's still not perfect, right? And so at yeah. the end of the book says, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, yet I will rejoice and praise the Lord my God. Mm. And that's, I mean, that has just so proven true in this last season. And that's what I've learned to be most true about God is that he's going to do something that we would never believe if he told us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, you didn't spend, you know, three years building a strong social media presence and,
1: you no. know, doing all
0: these things. You just dove right in and it has exploded and it's so yeah. cool to see. And it was such an honor. I was part of the last true on tour yes. Thank you. segment. I don't Session? I don't know what <laughs> what they're called. Or, uh, yeah. Whatever. Um, and it was just so encouraging to hear women just sharing their stories, like we do on this show, mm-hmm. of of like God showing up and just blowing them away with His provision and faithfulness, and oh, I just love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in your life, and it, it could be related to true or not. It could be okay. pretty true. Um, is there a time? where you've had to like walk through something with God that was worth the struggle. Mm-hmm. And like, how did, how
2: did that change you? Yeah. Well, I have two, I don't, which chapter do you want here? Because <laughs> I um, have two significant markers in my life of kind of, well, actually maybe three, but um, real turning points mm-hmm. of like pain and suffering and then being able to look back, and although I don't like it, and it's still painful, I can see pieces of God's restoration. So yeah. you want
0: both of them, or you want one? Bless you both. I mean, whatever you feel comfortable with,
2: we'll see okay. where the Lord leads. Okay, so the first one is, um, and I think you heard me tell this story, but when I was 22, I was, um, I had just come out of it. Well, I was kind of still in like a three year relationship with a guy who was of a very different religious upbringing than me, but I thought it was the hottest thing I'd ever seen. So I was willing to overlook anything. Um, that's called missionary dating. Don't do it. Um, but anyways, I was trying to get through that and I basically made a barter with God. Like, okay, God, like if you want me not to be in this relationship, I need you to do something way bigger and way better. Well, it definitely wasn't God, but as I was like starting to come out of that, I actually ended up being date raped and, um, it was, it was traumatic. It was, um, I mean, it was all the things that you think about. And I think that here I was, um, a a confident, I thought at that time for a 22 year old, I was confident. I was, you know, I had goals set. I was, I was, you know, I had all these plans for my life. And the enemy had huge plans with that to really um, take it all away from me. And you know what I when I tell the story now, what I say is that I'm definitely not like I don't live in the trauma of that anymore
1: mm-hmm.
2: because of God's grace. And I can absolutely see some restoration, but there's still scars. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I wish that we talked about more in church. Is that when you walk through pain and suffering, yes, God heals it. And yes, God restores all those beautiful things that only he can do. But it doesn't mean that it's completely removed from your life because it's a part of your story. Yeah. And just like every good scar, like every good physical scar, it leaves a mark. And um, and so there was a mark. There is a mark left from that date rape just because... You know, it it affects intimacy. I mean, it just, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to walk through. And I don't believe that the enemy stole anything from me in that. I actually think that God intends for me to keep that scar because I have this deep compassion now for women, um, who walk through events like that, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have if I just was like, oh, well, that was over here and that doesn't affect me anymore. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is probably like the most beautiful story of, um, just walking through pain and suffering. That again is like it it ends really, you know. I mean, there's a sweet ending, but it's not all, it's not all peaches and cream either. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so as I said, in 2012, um, we were pregnant, we got pregnant with our fourth child, and I had never had any issues with pregnancy. I was just like one of these women, honestly, where I took it for granted. And, um, which that makes me sad now, but I did. And so I got to my 18 week ultrasound appointment and, um, they went to pull me up on the ultrasound. They're like, there's no heartbeat. So when you're at that point in your pregnancy, that far along, you have to, um, you have to deliver the baby. So I went in the next day and delivered our first son, Owen. We didn't know it was a point until we delivered him. kind of had our moments with them and then had to hand him back. And I went into a really deep and sad time at that point. And it was uh, my pregnancy had been public because here I work in a large church, and every, you know, when you're 18 weeks pregnant, everybody knows you're pregnant, you look very pregnant. And so then losing him was also very public. And so I felt like. Part of what God said to me is when you're weak, I'm strong. When you're weak, I am strong. Rebecca, don't like, there's nothing about this that you have to fake. You don't have to have the answers. Like when people ask, why would I do this? Like, you don't have to, you don't have to know it all. You just say, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm leaning into God in ways that I've never done before. And so basically fast forward, um, we, I went off birth control and I got pregnant the very next week. Like that's the kind of stuff I'm, it's crazy, honestly. But I got pregnant the next week and we found out that the due date was the exact same day, just one year later.
0: Oh, wow. We
2: also found out that it was also a son. And so it was like, by all intents and purposes, like, oh my gosh, like, look at what God did. Like, he's so personal. Like, he's so specific in the ways that he redeems things, you know? And I pleaded with God. I'm like, we're just, I just want to keep this baby. Like I can't go through losing another child that way. Like God, I don't, I don't care if he has any condition. I don't like, can I just, can, can we just have his life? And, um, and God just had a different plan and I didn't understand it at the time it was so painful, but we actually lost him at 21 weeks. And, um, you know, they had no, like the medical professionals have no answers. There was nothing chromosomally wrong. There was nothing like with his organs that was wrong. It just, it just happened. And so I, at that point in time, I started writing because I, I knew that people were asking like, how did this happen again? And like, why did Rebecca just fall off the planet? Because I just really kind of went, you know, I went into like some isolation And so I would write and I would blog and people would like read this blog because I wanted to say to everybody the same thing, but I didn't want to have to say it to everybody. That makes sense. And as I, I mean, this is so true of journaling. Like if you've never done it, I highly encourage you to do it. But as I began to write, I would see God talking to me and speaking to me. And... You know, a lot of what I learned, which I still hold true, and, like, with years of being a counselor and a pastor, I've been able to, like, encourage other women with, like, hey, you know what? God does His best work in the deep end. Mm-hmm. It was when I was in those darkest moments. It was when I, I didn't understand anything. You know, I, I couldn't see, God, how how are you going to write this story that looked just like redemption and then take it away?
1: Yeah
2: but yet I know God that you don't allow anything to come to us that hasn't first come through your hands. So you like, you have something in this for me. So, but as I began to write, it was like, he finds you in the deep end. And then it was things like, you know, I felt like God gave me this really big word of like, I have promised redemption, but I have not promised that you get to see it on this side of heaven. Wow. And so it was, yeah, it was this really huge like awakening for me of like, yes, he's going to restore it. He can't not, but it might not be in the timing or in the way, or even like in this life. Um, So, and then we went on and he got to adopt our son and that's a beautiful story, but, um, you know, there's just, there's pain and suffering that comes with every victory, I think.
0: Mm, Yeah. And I think (laughs) what you said, that he is going to redeem it and restore it, but we might not see it on this side of heaven. Can you say, you said it so beautifully. Can you say
2: that again? Um, I have to pull up my old blog, but it was something along the lines of like, um, Rebecca, I have promised to redeem it and I will absolutely bring bring redemption, but you may not be privy to see it on this side of heaven. Mm. But it will be redeemed and it will be restored. But it yeah. may not be, you know, until you see me. Yeah. And, and that's the case. I mean, I don't think that, I think anytime people lose children or spouses, you know, in, in an unnatural kind of way, I don't know that we ever get to a point where we're like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I can see, right. you know. And but, but God's like, hey, like there's, I'm promising you the restoration of this, yeah. which I love.
0: I love that. And both times you said it, I just got chills. I had to have you say it again because I feel like it's that is specifically for someone out there who Mm -hmm. is walking through like the thick of the grief right now Mm -hmm. and needs that reminder and needs that hope that even though this life may still be broken and you'll still carry those, like the scars you were talking about earlier, we Mm -hmm. still carry those.
1: And there's freedom
0: and healing in the Lord, but the full. Completion of the redemption he's promised is yet to come. Like, and we live in this in between of like, we have the promises, but we don't get to see them yet, and we may not see them until heaven. So, what do you have like another word of encouragement or a word of hope for someone who is really in the thick of that right now? Like, their scars are fresh and they just feel so overwhelmed by the weight of maybe a loss Mm -hmm. or maybe. Um, you know, like when you were sharing about the date rate, maybe something that has happened to them in that mm-hmm. way, or I don't know. Do you have yeah. anything?
2: I mean, I would, I could talk for hours like to someone in pain because that's kind of, that's where my heart lies. You know, that's kind of been my life mission. Um, but I think what I would want that person to know and to hear is that God will not leave it broken. He cannot, he cannot leave it broken. And so I love the verse Hebrews 11, 1, which you're probably familiar with. It's faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And I think a lot of the times we stay in our pain because we don't believe that God will do it for us or we don't believe that he can, you know? And so I think that the God that I know is like, ask big things of me, like believe big things of me. You know, believe that I, I really do actually love you enough that I'm going to redeem this, but believe that I am, I am the creator in such a way that like, I will, I will bring beauty from ashes and like ask a big ask of God. Like, you know, like think of what is your big ask of God and then let your faith lead you blindly to say I am sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. Because God, yes, he's not going to give us everything, but he's your daddy. Like, he's your daddy. He wants good for you. He wants good for you. And he just can't leave it broken. He just, it's outside of his character. And it might not be how we want. And it might not be when we want. But I guarantee that he writes a better story than we do. And I wish I could just give you a hug too, if you're hurting. Um, just a practical piece, as I would say, don't be afraid of counseling. Um, it's so good for you. It's so like, I always say, it's like my heart spa. Like me as a counselor, I love to go to counseling. It's like going to the spa for your heart. Um, and then just find, you don't have to have a hundred different people in your life, but just find one or two people that you feel like you can trust. People who are going to, you know, bring you up. People who are going to point you back to the Lord. People who, when they say like, oh, I'll pray for you, they're actually going to pray for you. Um, And do that on the flip side. When people ask you to pray for them, don't just say like, oh, okay, pray for that. Or, "Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Or include it in your night prayers. You pray right then on the spot. Because yes. I, I'm just saying, like, God wants us to ask big things of Him. He can handle it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I... I've gotten in that practice of, and you know, when I say mm. I'm gonna pray for someone, I just do it right then because I will forget yes. later.
2: <laughs> I, yes, I will <laughs> power, so powerful,
0: right? Yes, yes. And if someone's agrees, asking for prayer, they probably need it right then anyway. <laughs> so, Preach it, girl. <laughs> so we just gotta be praying for each other more. Um mm. so shifting gears a little bit, but still all along the same okay. topic. I was wondering, you know, as you've been doing True more, you know, different sessions of it with women all over the city now. And I mean, hundreds of women at this point and getting different stories from women. What different <laughs> themes have you seen emerge about like who we are? What is true about us as daughters of the most high God? Like what, what have you seen repeated just to give some encouragement to our listeners out there to remind them of what is true about them in God's eyes?
2: Yes. I think that the thing that is probably the most repeated and holds true for most most of us is that we get our identity really twisted up. Hmm. And so we make our identity about what we do or yeah. you know we find our value in what we can produce or what we cannot produce or you know all these things like I'm, you know, I'm a high power salesperson or I'm a mom or, um, you know, I'm a daughter, whatever it is. And, and, you know, scripture is really clear that our identity is rooted in the fact that we are a daughter of the most high King, period. Yes. Just period. Like just drop that mic and let it sit there. And so I think that like, as we have, um, you know, talked to several different women, what I have heard is like, you know, their journey, their story has led them to really come kind of to terms with who they really are, what their true identity is. You know, it's not based on what they do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, this is who, and I think that's what God does. Like that's, you know, that's one of the beautiful things is like, he creates this filter, the sifter. And we kind of like, we get sifted throughout our whole life. And what comes through the sifter, the filter is the most true version of us, You know, and a lot of times it comes through pain, right? But it's a beautiful thing. So I think that's one thing that like all of us just kind of need to be reminded of. Like, who am I? I am loved. I am chosen. I am pursued. I'm all these things, like all the positive words, right? Um, So identity in Christ, that's one. The other thing I would say is that we talk a lot about how when things happen to us in life, good or bad, that we don't understand, that we kind of want the answer, like, right then. We want to understand, like, where is God? Why did He allow this? You know, is He ever going to bring me a husband? Am I ever going to have a child? Am I ever, you know, all these things. And the cool thing about God is that if you look on a five-year plan, you've heard me tease about this, I think, but, like, if you if you look on a five-year plan, God is always, like, it's, like, this big, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like something that is hard or like hard to understand, you know, you look back on it and you're like, oh my gosh, that is, that is so sweet. It's not all, it's not all crazy. So I think those would be two things I would say. And then I don't know, what. ask me another question, maybe that'll spark me, but. Yeah. Well, my next question
0: then, you know, we kind of, the themes of things that are true about us and then what things have stood out that women have shared or that you've learned in your life that are things to be
2: true about God? Oh my gosh. Um,
0: And the two really go hand in hand, obviously.
2: Yes, that's right. That's right. Like, I feel like once we identify what's really true about us, we can't help but see God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like once you really see your true identity, I don't know how you see that apart from God. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I think
0: you the more we learn about who God really is, then we we understand our identity more clearly too. Like it, it works both ways. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. you can't. Those two things feel very inseparable to me. Yeah, but I know we do separate it. I mean, and I know that like life can very easily like um, spread them apart. But they are, they do go together. Um, so the first thing I would say that I have learned to be most true about God is that He is the most loving. And I don't say that like in a trite way. I say that in like he writes love stories for each one of us. Mm-hmm. He just writes love stories. And um they're, you know, they're beyond our comprehension. Like I was talking about Habakkuk. Like, what God, are you how do you do these things? You know, like how do you how do you bring things to pass? How do you take these ashes and make beauty? So he writes them as beautiful. He's just a lover. Um I also have learned one of the things that's most true about God is just his pursuit of us Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and that he, you know, will leave the 99 for the one he will, he will go to whatever lengths he has to go to, to know you and to find you and to make sure you feel loved And, um, and sometimes that comes in unconventional ways that sometimes that comes through other people. Sometimes that comes from listening to a podcast. Sometimes that comes from, you know, reading something on social media, but God is constantly pursuing our hearts. And he knows that the scariest and the darkest and the most secretive parts of us, and he still chooses to run after us. And there's no human that can do that. There's there's nothing in the world that can that will love you and want you the way that Jesus does.
0: Mm. Amen. It's so beautiful and so true. Yes, and like if you're listening out there and have never experienced that, that is my prayer mm-hmm. that this week you experience the love of God in a way that just leaves you overwhelmed and yes I don't know, just takes your breath away or that you see that these small things that happen in your life are, are from the Lord too. Like it's not always this yeah. big massive thing, but you know, these right. small things that work out from day to day or these small provisions that we call them God's like, winks. Like that's yep. that's God winking at me.
2: That's right. And like you when know? you just feel like oh, gosh I can't even see what time going to hold. Oh, no. I lost you for a second.
0: Okay. Don't worry. Jacob, we'll trim that.
2: Okay. I was going to say, like, whenever you, you know, you wake up and you're just feeling like, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how I'm going to walk through this grief. I don't know how I'm going to walk through this. I feel disappointed. I feel sad, whatever. You know, to realize that, first of all, there is a spiritual discipline of gratitude, Mm-hmm. That that gratitude and anxiety cannot exist at the same time. Amen. So, <laughs> about right. Yeah. So when you're thinking, like, reflecting on, instead of like, I'm so worried about this, or I'm so angry about this, like, God, I am so thankful for that warm cup of coffee that I had this morning. God, I I'm gonna thank you that I had a car to drive to work in this morning, and like just changing your whole mindset and recognizing that this one sliver. You know, this one hard piece is part of a much bigger, more beautiful story.
0: Yes. (laughs) Amen. It's so good. We are almost out of time. So my final question is, what did I miss? What is something that you cannot Mm. leave here without saying or just a final word of encouragement for our listeners? Gosh, I
2: wasn't prepared. Um, Okay, probably this. This is my favorite, you guys. So when I was growing up I was um I never intended to memorize this but it was on the wall in my bathroom so like you know how you're just standing there and you're staring at the same thing for years and years and so it just somehow like god just like bleeds it into your brain well yeah. this was bled in my brain without me even knowing like I, I never intended to but I love it and it's by Annie Johnson Flint it's got, it's called God has not promised and I've like made it kind of like my little life verse it says God has not promised Skies always blue, flowers drawn pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. That is so beautiful and the
0: perfect note to end on. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jess. What a great conversation with Rebecca. I loved how um, at one point in the conversation when she was talking about God's character, she mentioned how God writes our love stories. And that just really struck me because I think that applies to so many areas of our life that we might not view as necessarily a quote unquote love story, Um, you know, because it might not deal with a romantic relationship. But I've seen God show up in my own life in so many ways of Him writing our love story, the love story between me and the Lord. And just ways I've seen Him show up and provide in such a Tender personal ways that just remind me that I am seen. And lately, I think he's been reminding me of of one of those times. You know, I mentioned my condo quite a bit on this podcast, and you know, with the the flood and it's being renovated and you know, the whole process that has been. But I think back to when I actually first bought the condo in 2018, I was a single teacher, um, you know, and made enough to support myself with a roommate and I never really thought I would be able to afford owning my own home or condo or just owning real estate. And so when I started kind of looking, I I wasn't very optimistic, but I thought, you know what, I'll look. And when God provided this place, it I mean, it is a miracle that I even got it. You know, I put an offer the day it came on the market. There were multiple other offers of cash investors and and the seller picked me. And it felt like such a moment of God just saying, I see you and I love you. And this is a gift for you. Like you didn't think this was possible. And it doesn't make sense that you found this in your budget and that you got it. But, but it was like a gift specifically for me. And now, that i know what you know what was going to happen with the condo and the flood and the displacement and just all the the inconvenience i think back to that moment where the condo was such a gift and i just believe that god saw what was coming and the fact that the gift didn't turn out how i anticipated doesn't take away from the beauty of the gift and the fact that it was a gift, like God knew that the flood would happen, and yet this condo was still for my good and for His glory, and you know that just that gives me hope that like the story is not over yet, and and He's continually working. And just because something may not have turned out the way you expected, doesn't discount God's ability to work in it and the fact that it was still a good gift from him, even when it takes a a different twist. And so I don't know if that speaks to somebody out there right now, of something you're going through that hasn't turned out the way you anticipated, but when you first got the relationship or the house or the job or the, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank of anything it could be that you had prayed for and then you got it, and you knew it was a gift from the Lord, and you knew it was a blessing, hang on to that, because sometimes it might not look how you anticipate as you move forward, but that does not mean that God isn't still at work in your current situation. So I just want to leave you with that, and I hope you are having a wonderful week, and we will see you next time. Bye!
1: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at JessBiondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit CollectedMinistries.org donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.